Hi, Kramer. Hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm great. I too am well. I too am well. <laughs> Do I smell Pantene? Do I smell? Pantene. A uh, Pantene. Oh, my shampoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it is Pantene. I got a free sample of it in with my oh. junk mail. Well, there really is no junk mail. Oh, everybody wants to get a check or a birthday card, but it requires just as much manpower to deliver as their, their, their precious little greeting cards to... Newman! No! What? Uh, human. Human. It's human to be moved by a fragrance. That's so true. Her bouquet cleaved his hardened shell and fondled his muscled heart. He imbibed her glistening spell just before the other shoe fell. Kramer, that is so lovely. It's by a, an unknown uh, 20th century poet. Oh, what's his name? Newman. Well, I don't want to be a secondary character. Steven. Uh, Steven. Uh, Steven. Yes. That's me. <laughs> we're soulmates. We are. We are. Yeah. We're, we're podcast soulmates. We're 60, what, 60 something episodes in. And, this is uh, our 64th. 64th. There you go. And, and we're soulmates. We're, we're meant to be together in terms of podcasting. Yeah. We were soulmates, or well, at least for me, before we started podcasting. Yeah. Well, as soon as I met next... you, it was love at first sight. Yeah, I couldn't well, even speak. <laughs> indeed. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it's uh, we're like the new Hamish and Andy now. We're just... You know, we can't we can't stray away from our careers. We gotta have to be together for everything we do now. Okay. Even if we hate each other. Yeah. Even if we develop a an unholy resentment towards each other. Oh yeah, even if there's turmoil behind the scenes, we have to Ivan the, and Steven. When the yeah, Ivan Steven, yeah. It's Ivan a, and Steven. It's a partnership. Or Steven. Steven. <laughs> yeah, like we've suggested in the past. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to another episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. This is a podcast about the secondary characters of the greatest television sitcom of all time, Seinfeld. And uh, as you probably are figuring out or you probably know right now, my name is Ivan. And I'm Stephen. Yes, and this week we're going back to episode eight for a fourth time. Season eight. Yeah, season eight for the fourth or... Must be the fourth or fifth time this season. Yeah. Yeah, for Bidwell Bask anyway. Yeah. Crazy. Indeed. And, you know, we we randomly pick these episodes, unless if there is an episode that you like, uh, you can always send us an email or get in touch on social media. But uh, we're talking about season eight, episode two of Seinfeld, The Soulmate, and a few interesting secondary characters in this one, Steve. Yes, that's right. I can't wait. Uh, Mm. And as Ivan said, you can get in touch with us if you want to. We have an email address, Bidwabask, B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C, podcast at gmail.com. We are on social media. Our handle is at Bidwabask. We have a website, Bidwabask.com. We are on Patreon as well, patreon.com forward slash Bidwabask. If you want to support us and check us uh, out on there. And uh, of course, we are available anywhere you get your podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. And if you would like to leave us a review, that would be amazing. We'd really appreciate it. We would indeed. And uh, you mentioned Patreon, didn't you? I did. You did, yes. Yeah, Fabulous. I've got that bit down pat now. You do. Money now, please. Money now. <laughs> wait, no, money now. <laughs> yeah, wait, no, money now. <laughs> wait, no, subscribe now. <laughs> yeah, wait, no, subscribe now. <laughs> yes. yes, Lionel. <laughs> so today's characters we're talking about, we're talking about Kevin, who we haven't spoken about since the Bizarro Jerry all the way back from our season one. Yeah, that was one of our first 10 or 15 episodes. Episode six. Was it? Ever. Yeah, okay. Sixth ever episode. One of the more well-known Seinfeld episodes, mm, I'd say. Indeed. And the first one where, where we actually used clips from the episode. Really? Yeah, it was the first one. Wow, you have a better memory than I do. <laughs> it was a I very, guess because you do all the production. Oh, well, it was you a very... You remember that stuff. It was a very enjoyable episode. Yeah, no, it is yeah, a good episode. Was, I reckon it was the first episode where you and I, I think, I felt like we clicked. I felt like episode six was the one. Yeah. Like for us. The first five was just, you know, a dry run. Yeah. That was us in front of the mirror, you know, practicing. Yeah. With, you know, the four listeners that listened to us. And now Mm -hmm. we've got five listeners. So. Oh, we now have 500 more like it. Making our way up. Maybe more. And thank you for supporting us as well. Maybe we should remaster those episodes one day. Remaster. Like like bonus content. We'll just like, (laughs) you know, we'll we'll transcribe what we said and then it'll be like high definition audio. Now we won't. No, it'll be like a desperate cash grab when like washed up (laughs) 
shitty bands <laughs> yeah. that, that just need to go away forever because yeah. they've had their time when they released a best of and they're like we've got some crappy demos that no one but six fans will give a shit about and we'll put them on a second CD and release it just to fill, fulfill some contractual obligation but to have that's what cash, it will be like for us but to have a cash grab you have to have cash in the first place that's true <laughs> so it's not really a grab well not a cash grab but the same spirit of desperation when we could just leave them in the past and let them be yeah, I think that's the better thing just let them die yeah. focus unless on the future if, yes unless if you have a fan request and you want us to do a remake of an earlier episode which I doubt no. just go back and listen to it yeah Anyway, Seinfeld News, what do you reckon? Sure. Cool. Okay, this week's Seinfeld News, probably the second longest one ever, I think, or at least tied. So two weeks ago uh, was an epic Seinfeld News, seven bits. This week we have six. All right, what you got? Four of them, uh, which came through today. Um, so up until yesterday when what? I was doing <laughs> when I was doing notes, <laughs> really, it was only two. So it was going to be even a, a smaller one than last week, which oh, was three. Wow! But we're up to six. So to kick off on a positive note, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus since September last year has been uh, battling uh, and recovering really awesomely uh, from a breast cancer diagnosis, mm-hmm. yeah. which she announced the day after she uh, won a bunch of Emmys and kicked more ass than usual. Um, and through the week, she was snapped uh, with her husband. Well, it was more of a selfie um, on holidays in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So, sort of further demonstrating her her resilience and her courage after such a you know a pretty brutal thing. So, I've uh, I've had family members go through breast cancer more than once, and it's yeah. it's not easy. So, mm, it's very hard. Yeah, more power to you, Julia, who yeah. we you know we love, and you've got a, a huge fan base worldwide. So it's it's awesome to see that you're on the mend. And uh, apparently, she will be uh, filming the next season of Veep late this year or early next year. So nice, yeah. She's she's back to doing uh, table table reads and sort of getting back into to to you know rehearsals and stuff. So hopefully it'll be out maybe by this time next year. Great, that's right. Uh, the second bit of news: a actress and singer. I'd never heard of her. I'd never heard of her before this uh, before this story came out. Um, her name is Haley Steinfeld. That's right. She's a pop singer. Yeah. 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 The name I think rung a bell, but yeah, I didn't know much about her. Yeah. She that's the, the deal. Add some auto tune. Okay. That's the deal with pop music. Yeah, oh, I thought that was like one Seinfeld. of her songs. No. No. Okay. Yeah. Because she sounds like one of her songs. I'm like, so she, she actually sings about. Is she that self-aware? What's the deal <laughs> with pop music? She's Jerry's long-lost daughter. <laughs> yeah. Second daughter. <laughs> I'll just add a T. That'll that'll make it a bit more obscure. <laughs> that'll distinguish me from my famous father. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she was interviewed through the week by the New York Post, and she was asked a bunch of questions about her acting career and singing career. Nothing especially noteworthy, but the final question was: uh, she was asked if she ever gets mistaken for being a relative for Je- to Jerry Seinfeld, mm-hmm. and uh, she said that. She has never really been mistaken, or at least that she knows of, but her mum, whose name is Cherry Steinfeld. <laughs> Cherry Steinfeld. Cherry, so C-H-E-R-I, oh and then Steinfeld, so oh, Steinfeld with a T. Too good. Yeah, Cherry Steinfeld. She said that one time her mum booked a table at a restaurant, and uh, obviously the person taking the booking misheard her, uh, because when they showed up, when their party showed up, everyone was expecting Jerry and I guess his family or, you know, maybe a business associate or something. Right. And everyone at the restaurant was a bit disappointed because they thought it was Jerry Seinfeld, of not course. Jerry Steinfeld. So I thought that was pretty funny. That's pretty good. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure she gets a lot of Seinfeld. Um, you know, it's like people who live in Bonnie Doon. I'm sure they just get castle references all the time. It's yeah. just like, ugh. What's oh, the deal with recording music, Haley? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm sure she gets that all the time. Yeah. So, uh, Polygon, which is a gaming website, this is a third bit of news. Uh, this came out today, actually. They have a ongoing YouTube series called Brand Slam. And uh, what they do is they film themselves creating characters in the new WWE wrestling game. It's uh-huh. called WWE 2K18, 2018. Yeah. And you can create your own characters. There's a bunch of like skins and, mm-hmm. and body sizes, and you can customize a lot of things. And every week on YouTube, they film themselves creating two characters from a well-known series like Seinfeld or Friends or whoever. Um, and then they, they, play each, uh, they play the game and then they verse each other. And that's the video series. This this episode goes for about 21 minutes. It's mm-hmm. Jerry and George. <laughs> and about 15 of those minutes is just them creating the characters. And nice. you can import like custom skins. So they go to Google and like cut out pictures of um, Jerry's face to like put on the, oh. the, the character molds in the game. No way. That's cool. They import like a, a custom design of the puffy shirt. So Jerry's wrestling just in like his jeans and like bad, you know, puffy sex, shirt. sex offender bloody 
white trainers yeah, yeah, and yeah. his puffy shirt and George is just George. <laughs> uh, that's and amazing how they can do that. Yeah, they render it's, it like that, it's yeah. really, really good. That's cool. Um, I'll yeah, watch so, it after. Yeah, no, it's really cool. So we'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, cool. cool, um, cool. Yeah, and you can watch it later. But nice. uh, this episode, it is obviously Jerry versus George being the two main characters of the show. Uh, and Jerry wins by, I think he clotheslines him. I don't know what the official wrestling term is. I don't know much about wrestling. Clothesline is when they get the arm. Oh, that's and right. And then they, they, they run up and they whack you in the face. That's like, right. With the, with the arm. Yep, yeah, yep. yeah. I think he does that. And I, I skipped through the wrestling part because I didn't care so much about that. Um, and I did see a table at one point being used as a weapon. So, yeah, pretty funny. Very funny. But, uh, yeah, the links will be in the show notes. Uh, the fourth bit of news, and this is actually a follow-on from two weeks ago. So, two weeks ago during our epi- epic seven-piece Seinfeld news segment mm. uh, when we did the Van Buren boys. Um, Jerry, it was reported uh, at that time that Jerry, uh, he was interviewed by E.T. And uh, in that interview, he said that Roseanne's show being cancelled after her controversial tweet um, was a bit of an overreaction from ABC, the network who cancelled the show. Um, and uh, as a follow-up to that, Radar Online, which is a bit of a shitty gossip rag, I guess you could mm-hmm. say. It's not very... Uh, it's not a good source. Like shall we TMZ. Say. TMZ. It's even worse than TMZ. Like, oh, wow. I'm sure TMZ's sources are a bit more <laughs> uh, substantiated than, than Radar Online. Anyway. Only a little bit. Yeah. So, Radar Online, they've revealed via a mysterious quote unquote source. It's always a friend close to the. A pal. A pal. Yeah, or a yeah, friend yeah. or an insider mm-hmm. or a source. Always. So, a source, quote unquote, has said that Roseanne has begged Seinfeld to have her as a guest on the next season of Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee, which would be season 11. Mm-hmm. Season 10 did just come out, actually, and we talked a bit about that last week, if you want to know about that. Um, and like I said, Radar Online is not a very good or legitimate sort of news site. It's a bit of a gossip rack. Mm. It's kind of like The Sun in the UK. It's mm-hmm. just a bunch of sensationalized celebrity garbage. Yeah. Um, so considering that it's a quote-unquote source... Um, you know, it may or may not be true, but if it is true, um, I guess it would be in line with Jerry. Historically speaking, and I didn't realize this until they pointed it out in the article, um, that historically speaking, Jerry has stood by, um, you know, uh, comedians in hot water. So he stood by Michael Richards when he went on his infamous rant. Comedians in cars getting coffee and comedians in hot water. Yeah, Both. comedians in, in, you know, co- comedians tweeting dumb shit in hot water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Michael Richards didn't tweet it. No, 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 no. But that would be relevant if it was Roseanne. Indeed. Um, and he also apparently stood by Louis C.K. when he was sort of ousted as a bit of a bit of a creep as part of the initial wave of the Me Too mm-hmm. campaign last year in September. Mm. And uh, yeah, Jerry, I don't remember what Jerry said in support of Louis C.K., but he obviously said something publicly, maybe in an interview, um, in support of him. So, you know, the fact that he's apparently, if it's true, supporting Roseanne and he may or may not have her as a guest on next season of uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee is in line with his, you know, supporting his supporting his comedian mates. Is Jerry becoming like a geriatric? A geriatric. No pun intended. <laughs> What's the deal with <laughs> Alzheimer's? Um, uh, I make friends every day. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it... The last few weeks have revealed him to be, like I said last week when I did Seinfeld News, mm. just talking about the new season of Comedians Cars Getting Coffee, that a few of the reviews pointed out uh, the fact that he seems a bit out of sorts with modern, you know, comic, like modern comedy mm-hmm. politics and ideologies. He seems a bit square peg round hole. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess this is in line with that maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He's certainly gone against the grain because a lot of comedians were very, very... Um, open and, and about their disdain of what Roseanne said, mm-hmm. and he's you know hasn't he's sort of supported her. So yeah, I guess he's just sticking to his guns. Indeed, yeah. um, which is also interesting because Roseanne and Seinfeld were kind of seen as rivals in the nineties. Yeah, um, you know yeah. certainly in Australia, that's the way the the I remember the the TV media would frame you know like the ratings war of like Roseanne versus Seinfeld because they were two very groundbreaking sitcoms. Weren't they both on Channel Ten? Um, I remember Seinfeld was. I can't remember if Roseanne was. Yeah, probably I it was. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. I think it was. I can't remember. Mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. you know, let us know. Uh, the fifth and second last bit of news: DJ Seinfeld, who we've talked about on and off over the last year and a half. Everyone's favourite Swedish Seinfeld themed DJ. Danish. Mm. Danish. Yes. Sorry, Sorry Danish? Scandinavia. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, all the same. It's <laughs> <laughs> all the same. It's just good-looking white people. Yeah. It's all good. So he's really, you know, with good healthcare and education and yep. jobs and damn them socialist governments. Damn them <laughs> socialist pigs. <laughs> socialist, socialist comrades. Comrades. Yeah. <laughs> um. The yeah. So DJ Seinfeld has released a new compilation. So it's not an EP or an LP. It's a compilation, and it's part of an ongoing series. Uh, for a Berlin-based dance label called K7 Records. The series is called DJ-Kicks, or DJ Kicks, 
Um, and what I could gather, I didn't really do much research into the ongoing compilation, but what I gathered was that uh, every year or maybe six months, it's a physical release. Yeah. Um, and they get like a, you know, a DJ to mix a bunch of other DJ songs and then compile it and release it as a, as a, as an album. Um, and, uh, DJ Seinfeld's, uh, compilation is 21 tracks. Um, and it does actually have a few remixes of his own songs as well, as well as a bunch of other DJs, um, who, you know, are probably well known in that scene, but for an outsider, they're just a bunch of names. I wish they called it DJ Little Kicks. DJ Little Kicks. That would be good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and to end on a positive note and a future, future, uh, focused note, uh, the 2018 Emmy nominations dropped through the week. They did. Uh, on Thursday, last Thursday afternoon to be exact. Um, and Larry David slash Curb Your Enthusiasm were nominated for two Emmy Awards. Very good. One, the show itself, Curb Your Enthusiasm, was nominated for Best Comedy Series, naturally. And uh, Larry David himself was nominated for Best Lead Actor in a Comedy Series. Very nice. For season nine of Curb Your Enthusiasm. So the Emmys take place in September. Uh, so in about three months. And uh, if, if Julia, well, Julia wouldn't win because Veep wasn't on this year. That's right. Um, but if Larry or Curb or both win, we'll no doubt bring that news to you in Seinfeld News around that time. Yeah, well, the fact he was nominated is a pretty good deal too. Indeed. Pretty big deal. Yeah. Mm. And that's all the Seinfeld News for the week. Very good, Steve. When we come back, we're going to talk about some secondary characters from The Soulmate from Season 8, Episode 2, in particular Kevin, who you've seen from Bizarre Jerry, as well as Pam and maybe a few other secondary characters as well. Pam. Bam! Bam! We'll be back. This tape recorder. George, you'll have your turn! <laughs> the truth must be heard. Hey, what are you doing? Dear God! That's all there was. And yet, it speaks volumes. <laughs> Hello, Rumple. Alex Swing. I go on. And someone crying out, Dear God! <laughs> Let's start with, uh, with you, Wick. Welcome back to But I Don't Want to Be a um, <clears throat> Secondary Character. Do you think I killed this podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I right. assumed it. I assumed you did. Yeah, I just assumed you murdered her. <laughs> Murdered this podcast. Yeah. So we just brutalized it. I just assumed we'd murder your ears with our shit talking about Seinfeld. Oh, I better grab my briefcase with the tape recorder in it and walk out. Ultimate paranoia. <laughs> That's right. That's right. How, how, how's that diorama next to you, Stephen? You got the Nike the Nike box with all the characters? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually do have two of those Nike shoe boxes at home as well. <laughs> you got to make a diorama and bring it in. That would be the ultimate piece of Seinfeld paraphernalia for our little ever-growing collection. It'll be our homemade Seinfeld paraphernalia. Something new which I have added to our collection. I have a bottle an empty bottle of Snapple. Yeah, we'll put it up on Instagram and other socials as well. Yeah, nice. Yeah, we were talking just before we started recording about the brief and uh, I guess you could say um, brief but lovely rise of iced tea, especially mm. in Australia in the mid-2000s. Not cop killer iced tea. No, the no, 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 no. He was more the early 90s. Yeah, that yeah. he was. Yeah. yeah, and then he had his second coming in Law and Order SVU. That's right. Oh, man, I love that show. Yeah, And he show. just made it better. Yeah, he did. I love the irony of him writing a song called Cop Killer. Yeah. And then his cast is like he a badass, a cop. you know, ethical cop. He's a cool yeah. guy. Yeah. <laughs> you can do both. You can. The versatility of iced tea. <laughs> The actor, not yeah. the actual drink. Indeed. The drink's just sweet. Yeah, it's just sugar. That's what I found with Snapple. It was too sugary. I couldn't drink it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Is it? Hang on. I'm just going to look at the bottle. Yeah, sure. While I do, you uh, kick on with the plot synopsis. Oh, sure thing. For the soulmate. So it is episode two of season eight. Uh, first aired in the US, September 26th, 1996. Directed by Andy Ackerman and written by Peter Melman. George believes the foundation lawyer, uh, Wick, thinks that he might have killed Susan. Jerry suggests using a method employed by Jerry Lewis to find out. Kramer falls for Jerry's girlfriend and he consults Newman for advice. Elaine's friend insists that she have a baby. You gotta have a baby. Elaine, Uh, move to Long Island and have have a baby. baby. Elaine would rather not and meets a man who shares her ideals. That's Kevin. He's played by Tim Decay, who we've spoken about in The Bizarro Jerry all the way back in our season one. George leaves a running tape recorder in his briefcase at the next board meeting and leaves the room. He returns to find the briefcase damaged and the tape d- damaged and the tape stopped. Newman gets in the middle of Jerry and Kramer's relationship with Pam, played by Kim Myers. He bribes Jerry in hopes to find out more about his obsession, Elaine. That's Newman. Mm. Meanwhile, Elaine's new boyfriend gets a vasectomy to show her how committed he is to not having children. 
The guys find out Pam is not interested in having children and they line up for their own vasectomies. George gets to the bottom of what happened to his briefcase and finds out that a fellow employee had lost his balance while moving a chair and had fallen onto the briefcase. Elaine and her new friend go and get his vasectomy reversed and Jerry and Newman leave after Kramer gets his done. Hmm. <laughs> Yikes. Crazy. Uh, other secondary characters include Lisa Mende, she plays Carol. You gotta see the baby. Uh, Bruce Davidson makes another appearance as Wick. We mentioned him in the Van Buren Boys a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tommy Redman Hicks, he plays Mr. Cross. Uh, Rendy Ray Norman plays Mrs. Baines. Jill Talley plays Gail. And Jill Holden plays Lisa, the other two ladies in the, I guess, the pseudo baby shower. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, indeed. quite a few secondaries in this one. Yeah, indeed. And this episode is dedicated to Victor Wayne Harris. Uh, he was an assistant prop master for the show. Uh, he died in August of 1996 due to complications from a stroke. Yeah, really sad. Yeah, rest There's a little face. tribute picture mm. um, for him at the end. Before the credits rolled, yeah. Very nice. Steve. That's right. Yeah. I really like the, uh, the wording because they said dedicated to our friend, mm-hmm. uh, Victor Wayne Harris. So mm. It's very sweet. It's very sweet. And, you know, I actually got some notes about Victor Wayne Harris. He appeared in the episode The Pilot, the season four finale, uh, in the scene where George is on the phone calling for his test results. Uh, right at the end of the scene, Harris appears as a man with a white T-shirt and a cap approaching the phone. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like Remember the one that George kind of fobs him off? He's like, hey, I need to use the phone to uh, get my test results. It's on the set. Vaguely. Yeah, apparently that was Victor Wayne Harris. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so he made an appearance on hmm. in front of the camera too. They 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 undercasted by one extra, so they just got one of the crew members. <laughs> ah, why not? Yeah, why not? Why not? Save You're already there. Yeah. What trivia do you have? Uh, so I've only got two other bits of trivia. So yeah. the first one being Jerry Lewis uh, was the inspiration behind the storyline, um, where George obviously in this episode thinks that people in the foundation are talking about him, mm. and uh, he puts the tape recorder in the briefcase to uh, basically find out what they're saying. Um, and according to the writers of the show, Max Pross or Pross and uh, Tom Gamble. Mm. Apparently, Jerry Lewis actually used to do this. He used to do it, yeah. Yeah. Probably so people... He'd, he'd be sus on people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Huh. <laughs> that is massive paranoia. That is paranoia. Yeah. I yeah. like how Jerry, you know, as a fictional character based on a real person, worked in a real fact in a fiction, fictional universe mm-hmm. about a real-life comedian. It's, I don't know, it works on it's a very lot of levels. Meta. Yeah, it's very good. Meta. It is good. Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Tim Decay, who plays Kevin, they also appear together on um, Julia Louis' old sitcom, The Adventures of Old Christine, in the episode Rage Against the Christine, which okay. aired in 2008. Still haven't seen that show. Yeah, it's forgetful. Okay. But yeah, no, no, they make an appearance together right. as well. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yes. Any other trivia? Yes. In the library, Newman, he secretly coaches Kramer as he talks to Pam. You know, he's behind the books. Yeah. Put the bookshelf. Like when he goes on his rant about junk mail. You see, there really is no junk mail. You know, it just requires as much effort as, you know, their precious, like, yeah. reading cards and blah, blah, blah. And then uh, Kramer, Kramer like, knocks, knocks Newman, yeah. And Newman falls over. It's yeah. good. In The Old Man, which we've covered before, uh, the roles are reversed. In that episode, in the record store, Kramer is Newman's coach, whispering to him from behind what to say to the record store. It's true. I find you repulsive. You are ugly. And stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. One of my top 10 secondary characters, the record store. Yeah, the record store owner. Yeah. Who Al Jolson? What who, am I going to do with Al Jolson? Who ended up being in the, jigs- the jigsaw and saw. The yeah. same actor. <laughs> and we have a theory about that. If you go back to our second ever episode where we did the old man, yeah, we talk the, about that theory. At the start of this episode, we were just shitting while I was shitting on the first five episodes. And now we're saying, go back and listen. Yeah, go back and listen, please. Conflicting messages brought to you by Bidwabas. Indeed. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's what we're here for. <laughs> and one interesting, uh, interesting thing in the episode, Jerry and George, they spend a lengthy period of time waiting while a tape is rewound but it's later revealed that the recorder was shut off after only recording approximately five seconds of audio mm. yeah That's like a, they wound it all the way back the, the, and then it was like oh no and that was it yeah the rewinding was almost as long yeah as yeah the it was actual, longer it was like as, 10 seconds or as the actual seconds. tape player yeah that's a good point actually you think if we if you rewound something for like 10 seconds it would be at least what a minute mm. you know maybe 45 seconds of audio but yeah. it was only like a few seconds I am reminded of the frustrating pre-CD days uh, when I first used to start buying music in the mid 90s I used to buy Metallica and Pantera tapes <laughs> and uh, you know if I wanted to hear a riff again or hear a song again you'd have to like rewind and make sure you press play at the right spot mm-hmm um, you know, a lot different to these days where you can just select a point in a song or a video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was a lot more hit and miss. Yeah. So, yeah. Those are the days. 
And how good was it when, uh, you know, you used to record on cassettes, the radio? Yeah. And you get your song and you're like, yeah, hit. Yeah. And it'd always come in like five seconds into the song. <laughs> so you'd miss. Or you'd start recording early and you'd get like the dumb, like annoying banter between like shitty radio this DJs. This is Coma FM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> five dollars cold hard cash. Five dollars in cold hard cash. Now here's Nickelback's new single. Triple I've actually got a good 90s um, throwback later when we do Seinfeldisms. So, ah, cool, cool, yep. cool. I used to tape a lot of songs off Triple M, which is a, a like a national rock radio station in uh, in Australia, uh, if you're not from here. And most of the songs, like if I knew, because I'd say like, coming up at 8pm, we play Metallica's new mm. song. And mm. after that, a triple Coldplay. Uh, triple chisel Coldplay. Yeah. Uh, Coldplay? A triple chisel Coldplay. <laughs> that was just a mess. <laughs> a triple play from Cold Chisel. Yeah. yeah. Or from Coldplay. Or from Coldplay. <laughs> These days, maybe. Probably. Not yeah. in the 90s. No, not in the 90s. They weren't around. No, it was all like, in the 90s, Triple M was like all hard rock. Yeah, Barnsey. And then after that, we've got Farnsey. Hey. Yeah. And then after that, we've got Barnsey and Farnsey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so after good. that, we'll play Half an Angel song and we'll go back to Barnsley. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a working class man? Because coming up next, we've got Working Class Man. <laughs> an anthem for all you tradies out there. You sound a lot like your dad when you say that. Really? When you talk like that. <laughs> My dad doesn't sound like that at all. Oh, no, he doesn't have a raspy voice like that, but he sound, he sound a bit like him when you talk Does like he? that. Does he? Do yeah, I? I think oh, so. Oh, no, I'm slowly becoming my old man. <laughs> You're becoming your old I've got a moustache. I'm losing <laughs> no, no. my hair. you got everything. <laughs> <laughs> you got it all going. Um, so an actual soulmate themselves, a soulmate is a person with whom one has a feeling of deep or natural affinity. It may involve similarity, love, romance, platonic relationships, comfort, intimacy, sexuality, sexual activity, spirituality, compatibility, and trust. Okay. Do you believe in soulmates or love at first sight or uh, I think the that one, any of those things? I think that exists. I think we're put on this earth and I think for most people, like Newman says, we're destined to be with one person. Really? For most people. Okay. Not everyone. Hmm. I feel like it for me anyway. You're right. You found your soulmate. Yeah, I think I have. Okay. Fair enough. That's what I feel. Hmm. But, you know. Fair enough. That's me. Anyway, so let's talk about some secondaries, huh? Yeah, let's start with Kevin. Kevin, yes, played by Tim Decay, who we have spoken about in the past. Uh, he did. He was also in um, season. I think it was episode three. Yes, that's right. Of the of Seinfeld of episode of season eight, rather the Bizarro Jerry. Yeah, the next episode. Yep. So Tim Decay, he's known for appearing in White Collar, uh, and he's also appeared in the films Get Smart, Peaceful Warrior, and Swordfish. Love Swordfish. Yeah, it's a good movie. Introduced the world to Halle Berry's assets. Oh, indeed. Yes. Yep, and mm-hmm. that's really the only memorable part of that film, <laughs> with like dumb like computer hacking where they're just like, yeah, and, like yeah. all the screens come up. Yeah, because and then Hugh Jackman's getting blown while he's trying to, Is you it? know, you know. There's that scene where the woman gives him a blowjob, and he's got to like, it's like a test, oh. and he's got to like crack the code and like. Oh, a before minute. he comes. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, vaguely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I just remember Halle Berry. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Halle Berry. Halle Luda. Halle Berry. Indeed. Yep. So anyway, we've we've spoken in depth about Kevin. But he's a totally different Zorro. person in this episode. He is, isn't he? Like the same actor s- and the same character, but mm. he's almost. There's no congruency between the two. Mm, yeah, really. you don't really see his friends until the, the next episode, yeah. his bizarro friends. But Kevin, I think, yeah, he, he even makes a good point saying that he does things in extremes. Mm. It's like, you know, I saw an, a commercial for a jet ski, $4,000 later, it's got one in my garage. Yep. You know, he, he, he doesn't really think things through. Mm. I think he gets overexcited. He thinks, you know, he doesn't think too far ahead. And yeah, he yeah, goes, it's very impulsive. Very impulsive, yes, indeed. He's very impulsive. And he just does, like, the most extreme. Like, you know, for example, they're talking about not having children. Yep. You wouldn't just go get a vasectomy. No. Maybe you'd say, look, let's hold off for now. I mean, it's a serious decision. Oh, of course. It's a life-changing decision. Especially you know? if you're doing it in in conjunction or, um, you know, in discussion with a partner. Mm. Like, it's something, a decision that you make together. Yeah. You know, you don't just go, yeah, I hate kids. I'm going to go get my, um, you know... Get a vasectomy. Yeah, just like that. Yeah. You know, so he's definitely, um, yeah, he just, he does things impulsively. Yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a contrast to who he is in The Bizarre Jerry, the very next episode. And I had a bit of a theory about that. Yeah, um, right. I, you know, this is just a suspicion. Maybe they wrote, uh, you know, either Bizarre Jerry or Kevin in this episode as a different character, as a different name, but for some reason they couldn't cast two separately. Maybe they filmed them back to back, so they kind of had to just use the same character for both, even though they're two very different people mm-hmm. um, in terms of how they are and, and, you know, how they relate to the core four. Yeah. But uh, assuming that it is the same person and it wasn't just a, you know, a, a writing sort of situation, if you like, because mm. um, in this episode, Elaine, I think Elaine 
is the first person in Kevin's life to seriously call him out for his impulsiveness and how mm-hmm. that can be problematic. Yeah, especially course. financially and yeah. obviously, you know, with with getting a, a spur of the moment vasectomy just to impress Elaine <laughs> or just to prove how anti kids he is. Mm. And I think a bit of time elapsed between uh, this episode and then the Bizarro Jerry yeah. where he went away for a while or, you know, he just spent a lot of time being more thoughtful and being more considered and trying to lead a more balanced life rather than acting impulsively and getting himself into to sticky situations. And then I think, obviously, in the Bizarro Jerry, like, he's very friendly with... Uh, uh, who was it? Fargus? <laughs> um, well, that was one of the trivia questions. Yeah, Fargus. Um, and Fargus was the, 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 the Bizarro Newman. Yeah, but he's still mates with him. Yeah. He's not mortal enemies with him. Who is it? Uh, Fargus. Ah, oh, shit. The core four equivalents in the Bizarro yeah, Jerry, yeah, whatever yeah. their names are. Oh, God. I, I, it's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. yeah. See, I think in this episode, he wouldn't have been mates with them because he acts more selfishly and impulsively. Right. Whereas in the Bizarro Jerry, he's very thoughtful and friendly. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think he a bit of time lapsed between the two episodes in the in the chronology yeah. of the universe. Yeah. And he's basically went through like a transformative process of being like this impulsive sort of person to mm. being a more thoughtful, considered person, a more kind person yeah. in, in the Bizarro Jerry. So yeah. that's how I think. And I think it's because Elaine called him out and sort of brought him up on it. And he, you know, it made him think for the first time ever that, yeah. hang on, maybe I should be a bit more balanced and a bit more thoughtful about major life decisions rather mm-hmm. than just buy a jet ski or get a vasectomy <laughs> just to impress a woman. Maybe I should sell my jet ski on Craigslist or yeah. in the local paper. Um, so the, the, the other guys in the core four of the Bizarro world, uh, there were Gene, yep. who was George's... Uh, bizarro version. The bizarro version of Kramer was Feldman, and Vargas was the bizarro version of Newman. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it is the same person, but you know, the, in the time between the off-screen, quote-unquote, off-screen time between these two episodes, mm-hmm. a bit of time elapsed there, and he he went through a bit of a you know a deep philosophical introspective period, and he wow. changed who he was. That's pretty. That's a big deal. Well, I mean, you think about that's who quite he, a take. Well, you think who he is in both episodes. Completely different people. Yeah, like yeah. Th- there's not one bit of similarity at all in terms of who they are, how they act, how they communicate. Nothing. Just mm-hmm. completely different. So if it is the same person, and it is, yeah, then, of course. <laughs> you know, like unless he's unless the only other the only other reality or the only other potential reality is that he's completely full of shit and he's just lying to Elaine. And who he is in the Bizarro Jerry is who he really is, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know, because he's a completely different person. So he must have gone through... Is he the full of shit in this episode mm-hmm. and lying just to sleep with Elaine <laughs> or just to impress Elaine or whatever? And, uh, you know, and who he really is is the Bizarro Jerry. So that's my take. Very good. Very interesting. What do you think? Well, yeah, I, well, the only things I really got from that episode was... I think, yeah, you made a good point. Like, Elaine was the first person to kind of put him back to reality mm. and go, hey, you know, you, you can't be doing these kind of things yep. and that sort of thing. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think Kevin's really sure of himself. I think okay. he kind of... He's very naive as well. I yeah, think, that's true. I think he's probably been, like, sheltered when okay. he was a kid and stuff. Yeah, he does have this sort of naive attitude and he's always smiling. He's always like, yeah. 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 And I, I mentioned... I, I remember this all the way back when we did the Bizarro Jerry, I said Kevin was kind of like an archetype for like the old-fashioned sitcoms. You know how Seinfeld was such a groundbreaking sitcom? Yeah. You know, it was just totally different and the characters never learned from anything. They were misanthropes. Misanthropes. Misanthropes, yeah. I always get that wrong. Um, They're always, you know, they're misanthropes and stuff, but Kevin was kind of like a throwback to like the older sitcoms from like the 50s, the 60s, like the Brady Bunch. Yeah, they're all like learning, they're hugging. Yeah. You know, they're all getting along. and Perpetually happy. You know what I mean? So I think you don't really see it as much in this episode. You're right. Him in the Bizarro Jerry and him in the Soulmate are totally different. Yeah. But I think you see like the the little wisps of those kind of wholesome Mm -hmm. kind of traits that no, he that's has. True. Yeah. Yep. I think no, it's like a good good precursor. But maybe he maybe him getting the vasectomy was like like you mentioned like the ultimatum for him. Maybe he thought shit. Yeah. I've gone I'm, too far. I've gone too far, yeah. Not that getting vasectomy is wrong, but getting it very impulsively yeah. may cause problems. Of and course. may may make you think, hang on, like why am I doing this so no. impulsively? And you might regret it later on. You might yeah. want to have kids and you're like, oh yeah. can't. I mean even Whoops. he starts to regret it when he talks about it with Elaine. He's like, hang on a minute, sometimes I you know, I think about having a lot of kids. Mm. So he's even second-guessing himself immediately yeah. after the procedure in this episode. Which you can't really do. <laughs> no. I mean, these days you can get it reversed. But, um, yeah, back in the mid-90s, I don't think it was successful. No. As successful. No, but Kramer got his done. That's true. So he can't have kids anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he would ever have kids anyway. <laughs> no, he would He's a child himself, so why would he want to have another <laughs> child? 
<laughs> she needs a good father to her child. Wait, wait, wait. What? 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 Who, who, who talked about children? <laughs> children? Huh? Who's? No one said I want kids. Do you have anything else about Kevin in this episode? Not in this episode, no. But this is one of the only two episodes that he's in. Yeah. No, I liked his character, though. Yeah, no, like, he's, yeah. He's, he's funny. Yeah, he's funny. Yeah, he's I liked good. him more in the Bizarro Jerry, but yeah. I think seeing him again in The Soulmate, it reminded me of how much I liked Kevin. Because yeah. Kevin was in my top 20 yep. secondary characters, but... Has he returned? Who I knows? guess you'll find out a bit later on. We'll in find the out at the end. Indeed. Why don't we talk about Pam? Pam. Pam. Arguably Pam. the main secondary character in this episode. Indeed. Definitely the focal point for the uh, A storyline yep. between uh, Kramer, Jerry, and Pam. Of course. Played by Kim Myers. Uh, she's also credited as Kim Myers, as in M-E-Y-E-R-S. Okay. She, her last name is M-Y-E-R-S. Uh, she's known for appearing... Not much of a filmography. She has 45 credits to her name, but her most famous roles are A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, uh, Freddy's Revenge, Hellraiser 4, Letters from a Killer, and an episode of the TV show Jag. She was also in the film Serenity, which is oh, the film yes. version, or the film for um, Firefly. Oh, yes, she was. created by J.J. Yep. Abrams. Mm-hmm. So yep. I love Serenity. Oh, yes, Serenity. Serenity now. Serenity now, Serenity yeah. now. Purely for that. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, she was also in Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah, in one episode, yeah. And L.A. Law back in the early 90s, so yeah, the yeah, younger yeah. days. And she was in a CBS school break special in 1986 called The Drug Knot. The Drug Knot. I think that was like the Ronald Reagan era. Yeah. Reagan, you know how he's like, war on drugs. I yeah. think he coined the term. Yeah. Was, and no, the, that was a Nixon. Oh, was it Nixon? That was a Nixon era policy. No, I think it was a Nixon era policy in terms of like, uh, international policy, but it was it was ramped up massively during the Reagan era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. During during um like Pablo Escobar's reign as like the yeah. cocaine, you know, king of the world and, and stuff. Yeah, and you know how they had those after school specials and special episodes of yeah. sitcoms like in the late eighties. Don't 80s do drugs, 90s. kids. Yeah, and it's like one of the characters is about to do drugs and they're like, no, it's wrong. Yeah, you know, just like yeah, she was in one of those. <laughs> yeah, just hyped up nonsense about potential drug, <laughs> you know, complications, yeah. garbage. I got really. Um, big Meryl Streep vibes. Dragon looks like a young Meryl Streep. She does actually. Yeah. I thought it was Meryl Streep for a second. I was like, holy what? shit! From like I, one time, I watched Kramer vs Kramer, mm. probably like a couple of months ago, and she reminded me of her in Kramer vs Kramer. Okay. Yeah, she looked like her, like Kim Myers. Yeah, Kim Myers right. looked like Meryl Streep. Huh. I reckon she, she looks like a doppelganger, doesn't she? She does. Like a younger Meryl Streep. Yeah. Like seventies. I could stuff. see her doing like being a body double for Meryl Streep. You know where they sort of have to film. Uh, you know, and you can kind of see their face. Or like, if oh, there's right. a Meryl Streep, if there's ever a biopic, mm. you know, when Meryl Streep gets older. But they'd be older. about the same age now. Uh, I mean, how, well, how, was, old, how old... So Kim Myers was born in 1966. Meryl Streep was born, I guess, in the late 50s? Uh, probably. Let's find out. So she, Meryl Streep was born 1949. Oh, okay. She's 69. 50, okay, so... But they're still both middle-aged baby boomers. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe yeah, if you played like an older version of Meryl Streep. Yeah. Maybe I guess it, like I guess in, in the, the twilight of her career. Yeah, yeah I guess maybe. the biopic was like segmented in terms of stages of her career mm. and she played her in her latter days. Yeah, yeah maybe. No, that's true. Could work. Yeah. yeah. I can see it happening. For sure. Mm. Um, yeah, I really like Pam. She's very lovely. Yeah, she's, she's very good. just yeah. gentle and kind and soft and... Um, I don't know. She just seems like a very soft, warm person. And what is it with Kramer and librarians? It's true, Another... Actually early episode of Bedford Pass we did the library yeah where Kramer falls in love with the librarian well Pam's not exactly a librarian but she works at a bookstore no I don't think books are her passion really Pam Pam no look I think she's not as set into like books as that's just my thing I mean she likes poetry and stuff Mm. but I think she's more enamoured by like the the fact that you know she thought Kramer wrote the poem, yep. and but he's just reciting what Newman said. I think she's more enamored with the fact that Kramer created, allegedly created the poem or came up with it. Well, no, no, Kramer doesn't claim to. He, oh no, no, he, she, he, he, claims he, credit, he credits it to Newman, an unknown nineteenth century. I think author. I think she's just taken by his his performance or yeah. his delivery of the poem. Yeah, but like I said, I think she's more taken by the performance rather than the actual poetry. Okay. I don't know. It just seems to hmm. me like she works in a bookstore just to get her by. Right. Uh, to me, there's no real indication that she's into books. Okay. I don't know. Like, it's just... Uh, to me, it feels like... I feel that she just got the job. Okay. You know, just to kind of pay the bills. Right. I don't know. Like, I know you meant to have, like, when you work in a bookstore or a library, you got to have, like, a knowledge. Yeah. Like, knowledge of, like, books. I'm sure she's got a basic knowledge, but I don't think books are really her... Okay. I don't know, something... It's just the way that I saw her. Yeah. And what, what did you think of that? I had the complete opposite take. She's a big bookworm. Yeah, because yeah. When, yeah. She, when she first meets Kramer, 
you know, and Kramer's not able to speak and she's just talking. She says, oh, hi, I'm Pam. You know, uh, Jerry's told me a lot about you. And then straight away she says, I work at the bookstore. Yeah, I work at the bookstore. So the fact that she she declares where she works straight away. Yeah. I mean, if she didn't care about her job or didn't care about what she does at her job, she wouldn't say, like, I wouldn't be like, you know, hi, I'm Stephen, blah, blah, blah. Like, I work at an energy company because... I don't care about it that much. You know what I mean? But you're not a front-facing customer service person. I guess like so. She would be. Yeah. yeah. But the fact that she, regardless of what she does at the bookstore, the fact that she says it within 20 seconds of meeting Kramer, obviously it's important to her on some level. Unless if he's, she's seen Kramer at the bookstore. Yeah, maybe. Brentano's. Brentano's, yeah. Brentano's. Which is actually, it was a real bookstore. It was, yeah. Of yeah. Course. Yeah, they had like the, full, the, the frontage and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this bookstore was actually on 597 at 597 Fifth Avenue. Cool. So yeah, a very uh, well-to-do bookstore. Fifth Avenue is one of the one of the shopping streets mm-hmm. of the world. No, yes, I know. Yeah, and apparently it was bought by Borders in 2011. <laughs> and look what happened to Borders. Yeah, <laughs> they're gone. Yeah, yeah. Karma. Damn, damn bloody internet. <laughs> yeah, bloody Amazon taking over everything. Basically, Bastards. yeah. Yep. Yeah, I read today actually that Jeff Bezos is the first person ever in the modern era to crack. Uh, a net worth of 150 billion. Sounds about right. Yeah, because I think Amazon are doing like a sale at the moment, and their share prices went up because their revenues. Yeah, d- in Australia they're doing uh, Amazon Prime Day. Yeah, so you have to be a Prime member. I, mm. I admit I got a couple of things. I'm on okay. Amazon Prime. Are they just doing massive markdowns on stuff or something? Yeah, they're just getting some different in Australia anyway. Right, they're doing different things and they're just discounting them for like an hour. Okay, until they sell out. I think it's an international thing because in America. Oh, they're, they're doing pro- it in America too. Yeah, because oh, okay. the share price went up to like some mm. record amount, and because he owns the majority of Amazon shares it pushed his wealth up for a brief period mm. maybe for like an hour over 150 yeah. billion dollars but the at the end of trading his net worth was it stopped at 149 billion dollars oh, well, oh wow jesus <laughs> more money than god yeah jeez yep. yeah i admit i bought a few things okay <laughs> so thanks jeff i contributed to your uh, massive <laughs> flux yep in, uh, if in you wealth. bought one more thing, I would have ticked it back over to 150 billion. <laughs> yeah. I'll like buy his, a billion dollar item. <laughs> yeah, his, his net worth at the end of the day was like 149 billion, 999 million, 999,988 dollars. Like if you spent 12 more bucks, it would have just ticked it over just to 1.5 billion. Yeah. Uh, sorry, one, 150 billion, 1. 1.5 billion. Amazon is going to dominate the world, man. For sure. I can see it. Mm. They're going to be our overlords. We always used to think, I always used to think Google was going to be like Skynet. Yep. I think Amazon will do it. Imagine if Amazon and Google merge we talked about that a couple yeah we weeks did ago. i think even last week yeah yeah i think Go- google on or google, google's on google's on google's on yeah fuck Fucking hell. <laughs> Out of facebook as well <laughs> that'd be like Face- the biggest ta- well i mentioned this last week this will be like the biggest takeover in human history yeah <laughs> the I don't biggest think it merger would even be a takeover it would It'd be, be a like merger. a merger yeah. it'd be a merger yeah, yeah. Wow. An $800 trillion merger. Well, the valuation of some of these companies is in the trillions. Yeah, I know. You know, it's phenomenal. That'd be phenomenal. You know, I mean, the world GDP is $214 trillion, and some of these companies are valued at $1 or $2 trillion. I don't think they'd be allowed to do it. I think it'd just be so big. But, I mean, you know? all it takes is time. All it takes is a Supreme Court justice to approve it. I mean, they just did with... Uh, a couple of weeks ago we talked about it or maybe last yeah, week yeah I think it might have been a couple of weeks ago yeah I can't remember who the two companies were but it's the biggest corporate merger in American history yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure well Amazon and Google would be the biggest for sure by far two of the biggest companies on earth and then Microsoft and Apple joined together yeah <laughs> just to and then all four of them just become one massive conglomerate just, it's and, the Illuminati man and they buy the world yep. they buy out the, Roth, then, the Rothschilds the family and they're like oh we're buying you out well the biggest family uh, fortune in America or in world history are the Waltons who own Walmart yeah and their family net worth not just the you know whoever the the main Walton is is 152 billion Mm -hmm. so by the end of the year if Amazon shares surge again or if he makes more money or he buys another company he like him as an individual would be worth more than the richest family dynasty in world history. That's scary. It's just phenomenal. That's phenomenal. Anyway, enough about Amazon. <laughs> God damn you, yep. Amazon. This this like little plug is it will tip me back over to 150 billion. Yeah. Sponsor us, Amazon. Sponsor us. <laughs> just give us a cool billion. Yeah, please, please. If it goes, if you, if you, Jeff, if you're listening, if you go to 151 billion, give us a billion, and you can just stay at an even 150. That's easy. <laughs> it's a nice round number. Or if you know money's a bit tight, just a dollar a month on our Patreon. <laughs> if that's all you can afford, Mr. Burns. <laughs> you know. That's fine with us too. Mr. Burns. <laughs> Mr. Bezos. Yeah, excellent. Is he the new Mr. Burns? <laughs> well, Bezos. I don't know. Does he does he want to, you know, like drown out the sun for towns? Probably. Is he evil? That'll probably be one of I think that's more like an Elon Musk plan. Yeah. I think Musk is like Mr. Burns. Yeah, he's more the tech entrepreneur, whereas yeah. Amazon's more of a retail yeah. entrepreneur. That's right. Yeah. Who knows? Anyway. Uh yeah, so like I was saying, I think she does have a have a love for books. But you know, okay. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I think we just have different takes on the same same person. Yeah, that's just my thing. Yeah. But yeah. 
I think uh, she, I mean, if she, whether or not she does or doesn't have a passion for books currently, I think she did uh, go to art school mm, or yeah. she had some sort of creative background mm-hmm, Yeah, because um, she really likes poetry. So even if she wasn't uh, a book lover, I think parts of her life and personality uh, are obviously in love with, with poetry. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if she goes to like poetry readings and like slam poetry and sort of yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, yeah. That's so, okay. And for some reason I can see it. Maybe it's her genteel nature, but I can see her having a cat, like being an animal lover mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And maybe because, you know, it is a bit of a cliche of people who don't want kids or don't like kids or don't feel a connection with kids, uh, animals act as kids. You know, there are a lot of people in the world who refer to their pets, their dogs, their cats as their kids. So I could see her maybe being, if we're if I'm going along with stereotypes or cliches, I could see her being that sort of person mm-hmm. where yeah. her cats or her pets, whatever she has, would stand in for her kids and that would be her maternal outlet, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I found her a bit frustrating though that she's not very... Cl- well, I guess it was frustrating because, you know, when you watch a TV show in 22 minutes, you want emotional resolution. You yeah. Know, there's a quandary and you want it to be resolved in some way. But there's no resolution to it. Yeah, well, she... <sighs> You know, she develops a crush on Kramer. She's a bit unclear about how she should approach it. And she eventually comes to Jerry's house to talk about it and just admit her feelings. But she hasn't actually solved the problem. She's just admitted that there is a is a problem, you know, that there is a love triangle. She's in love or she has feelings for both. Um, and again, that the idea that she's very um, unsure of how to, you know, what to do other than to say how she feels about both blokes um, makes me think that she is, you know, quite thoughtful and considered. Like it takes her a long time to make a make a a, a, a big decision. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. She's sort of the anti anti Kevin in this episode. She's not very impulsive. She's a bit more thoughtful and considered. Yeah, yeah. She's more. She's more calculating. Well, not calculating. Not calculating, but yeah. But she just she thinks things through. Yeah, and yeah. she sits on things for a while and lets mm-hmm. them fester in her mind before she just acts impulsively. She doesn't just go out and buy a $4,000 jet ski or, you know, get a vasectomy to impress the woman. <laughs> I don't think she can get a vasectomy. <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, and we did mention before as well that the real-life Brentano's was bought out by Borders. I wouldn't be surprised. Again, this is just in line with my take of her being a book lover, um, that she, she, you know, stayed at Brentano's after this episode aired and that she even continued on with Borders. She's a lifelong book nerd. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. What and do then she got made redundant Yeah, when Borders was folded. Are they going yeah. in America? Because I know they, they're going in Australia, but do they go in America I as thought well? they were, Oh, I think they're probably still there. Okay. I think it's like an online presence. Right. But no, yeah. I know. I, rem- I remember. You remember in like the late, maybe the late 2000s, all these Borders opened up? Mm. There was a big one in Brisbane. Yeah, it was. I used to love going there. Yeah, me too. It was great. And then there was like other Borders and like shopping centers and stuff, and yeah. they made us all... Yeah, right. and most of the major shopping centres in Brisbane, there was a Borders. They like had a Garden Borders. City, Indrapilly, yep. the yeah, city, yeah. maybe Chermside. Yeah. I don't know about Melbourne. I wasn't in Melbourne at the time. I wouldn't be surprised if there's one in Melbourne yeah. or if there was there one in Melbourne. There were heaps in Melbourne, yeah. quite a few. Yeah. Huh. Cool. But I, remember, I do remember that big one in Brisbane, though. Yeah, in yeah. the city. Across though. the road from the, one, the Maya Centre. That's right. It yeah. took over as the meeting spot. So if you're from Brisbane, you probably know that, um, and I think we've mentioned this because we're both from Brisbane, yeah. but we've lived in Melbourne for a while, um, that the meeting spot when you are a teenager before, you know, uh, mobile phones and you know the ease of communication the meeting spot for socializing in brisbane was you met at the hungry jacks in queen street mall that was the that was the center point like i'll meet you at hungry jacks at this time yeah that's right hungry that was jacks. the main right in the middle point. of the mall yeah yeah but for and, me yeah. and i think for a lot of other people when borders came along borders was the, that was the meeting the point because yeah, if yeah. someone was early or someone was late you could just hang out in borders and read for 20 minutes yeah so you know yeah if you're from brisbane what is the new meeting point and by the way hungry jacks for those outside of australia it's uh, burger king that's right it's the australian version of burger king. yeah i'm pretty sure yeah. it was licensed by a guy in Australia but he didn't want it as Burger King I don't know and he changed it. I think oh, it was Jack someone yeah but that was years ago Jack McDonald 30, 40 years ago Jack Burgerton <laughs> Jack McDonald wouldn't that be the ironic <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he has a steak in Macca's and Hungry Jack a steak mm, no, I don't think they serve steak no. <laughs> it's all ground mince that's right yeah uh, ground beef we did talk about week two weeks ago in the Van Buren Boys but yeah played by Bruce Davidson that's right mm. he is known for X-Men uh, CSI and General Hospital mm. very he's a very curious fellow in this episode mm. he's, he doesn't like George clearly no, and he no. thinks that he killed Susan for sure <laughs> so you know he clearly has bad vibes towards him yeah he seems yeah. pretty sharp yeah because like he doesn't it's, I think it would be hard to pull the wool over his eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, you know, George is pretty easy to, to figure out anyway. Like, he's not very good at covering up his bullshit. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, straight away he's on to George. It's just like, 
Um, no. <laughs> no, I don't believe no, you. No. <laughs> he obviously likes poetry as well, because when George uh, met, you know, I think he asked who his favourite poet is. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was trying to you. He goes, do you know Keats? He goes... <laughs> and he's like, who's like your favourite poet, George? Kramarski. Yeah. Uh, who? Yeah. Kramarski. Yeah. But it's funny how they, 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 he does that in the Van Buren boys. Yeah. No, or, or Steve Corrin. Yeah. The boy does it. He does, he, so who's your favourite chess player? And he's like... <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. But that's what George does in the yeah. song, mate. Same joke. Yeah, same, same joke. kind of joke. Same gag, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Mm. Uh, yeah, didn't really have anything else about Wick. About Wick, no. Most of his character was sort of talked about two weeks ago in the Van Buren Boys. So if you want to hear us talk about him a bit more, mm-hmm. uh, go back two weeks ago. Yeah. And we also have Carol. Yeah, see the baby. Yeah. Played by Lisa Mende. She's basically the same person every time she appears in an episode. Mm-hmm. She's just an annoying whiner mm-hmm. who is very, very fond of her baby. And has a very ugly baby. <laughs> Man, I love Elaine's reaction. <laughs> she, she, she's she, like, oh, she dry reaches. She's just like, <laughs> she can't even look at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like I've, seen, I've seen some very displeasing to the eye things in my life you know people other and and other things but nothing has ever been so repulsive that i can't even just look at a photo <laughs> of it like this, that's just the running gang i know it's just like <laughs> she just dry reaches vomits in her mouth no yeah baby uh the light i didn't realize what she was talking about until about the fourth time i watched the episode for this recording because it cuts into the scene uh, where they're just talking at Elaine's apartment and, you know, they're talking about their babies. And I can't remember what she says exactly, but she's like, but when it comes out of your baby, it smells good. She's obviously talking about her shit. baby's shit or piss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and how... And I love know, how it just cuts into the... Yeah, it's just that, like... That, oh. that, that sentence, yeah, you know, it's good. Like, when, like, when you're a parent, your kids' smells don't bother you. You're just like, yeah, whatever, like, it's part of the deal, but... Shit and piss never smell good. No, nah, you just you just accept them for being, you know, <laughs> natural things. Indeed. Yep. Uh, I'm guessing as well because it's never really established because she has a house in the Hamptons. In the Hamptons, she does. Yes. Uh, but I think she lives on Long Island and she just holidays in the Hamptons. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Because you got to go to Long Island and have a baby. Yeah, it, mm. but it's not actually her. It's actually um, uh, her mate Lisa. Who yep. or one of Elaine's friends who she hates? Yeah, played by Jill Holden. That's right. Yeah, uh, she's best known for Murphy Brown and Judging Amy as well. Yep, two really good shows. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah, she's the one who says you got to move to Long Island and have a baby. But I think they all live on Long Island. Yeah, they do. And I think behind Elaine's back, they they bitch about her. But I think on some level, they might be envious of the fact that she's still single. She lives, yeah, and, and Elaine lives in the city. Kids, yeah, you know? and the fact that they're so proud of it and they're putting so much pressure on Elaine. Maybe they're overcompensating. But a bit. Elaine doesn't care. No, but Elaine's like, I love the city. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, then they, and then they go. The cities. Carol goes. The city's a toilet. Yeah, the city's a toilet. Straight <laughs> away, the toilet. city's a toilet. The city's a toilet. Move <laughs> to Long Island, have a baby. Have a baby. Yeah, but Elaine's too strong-willed to yeah. give in to that nah. peer pressure. She's no just way. like, she, I don't know how they, she still has them as friends. Yeah, I would ditch them. Well, <laughs> yeah, and, and Jerry goes, <laughs> you don't like, need him. why do you, why do you, why do they, like, why do you still have these women around if they annoy you so much? And he's like, well, they're my friends, and I think she says that she hates them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Weird. Very strange. Very weird. Uh, the only other secondary characters I have notes on are Mrs. Baines. Oh, sorry, Ms. Baines and Mr. Cross. So they're the two um, other foundation members That's who right, yeah. have lines in the show. So uh-huh. basically the same notes apply to both. So Ms. Baines was played by Ray Norman. Mr. Cross was played by Tommy Redman Hicks. Um, they obviously both don't like George. I don't no, think anyone not. at the foundation likes George. Clearly uh, they're both grossed out by George's fingernails. So mm-hmm. when, when George plays the tape back, uh, someone says, you know, have you ever noticed George's fingernails? Yeah. And then he says, the other person, whoever on the tape says something, I can't remember exactly, but obviously it's a it's a shared disgust of George's. Uh, and then it's, oh my God. Yep, yep. Uh, and that's all the notes I have. Do you have anything else about anything? Nah, that's it. That is the soulmate of of uh, season eight. And I don't think we'll be going back to season eight for at least a few more weeks. <laughs> I've looked at our episode list. I don't think we'll be going back. Yeah. Uh, and, and next week is What's the Deal? But we'll tell you after the break, maybe right at the end, what we're going to talk about or who we're going to talk about. Uh, which will be good. And I'm pretty sure the next episode after that will be a season four episode. Okay. I'm quite sure. Cool. Back yes. in the golden age. Back in the golden age, indeed. Yeah. It'd be good to go back in there. It's been a while. Sure. <laughs> it's been a few weeks. After the break, we'll go through our Seinfeldisms, our top ten lists, our Seinfeldia, and a bit more. Pa. 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 You're looking for a brand new podcast with some interesting guests? 
Well, you found it. Listen to In Melbourne last week with me, Ivan Pugioni. I talk to a different guest every week about their occupation, their hobby, their love for something, whatever it may be. Always interesting, so be sure to subscribe. I'm on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Podbean. So be sure to get in touch and listen to some really cool people on a really cool podcast. Hello, folks. Matt McCoy here, a.k.a. Lloyd Braun from Seinfeld. And I'm telling you right now, I do not want to be a secondary character. This is But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. And we talked about the soulmate from season eight. That was episode two of that wonderful season. My name's Ivan, and I'm with my buddy Stephen, and uh, each week we talk about the secondary characters from the greatest show of all time, Seinfeld. And uh, Stephen, we always rank our episodes that we review. So we currently have reviewed 53 episodes yes. of the show, not including our special What's the Deals and all that kind of stuff. No, no, 53 regular episodes of the show. Indeed, and that's nearly a third of the episodes. Mm. We're seven away from cracking 60. 180 yeah. episodes. Mm. Crazy. Yep. So where does the soulmate sit in your top um, things? <laughs> top stuff. Stuff. Yes, things. That's it. Uh, so it sits at number 32. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, for me, it's 31. Oh, wow. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So, <laughs> normally, there's a bit of disparity between where we rank our episodes, but this one's a bit closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so number 31 uh, is The Hamptons. Number 33 is The Seinfeld Chronicles, or Good News, Bad News, depending mm. on what you want to call it, yep. the, the, the pilot episode of the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and... I. I didn't like the way that it all coalesced at the end. It was just too weird with yeah. them in the, in the doctor's office. I don't know. It was just it just didn't dovetail very well. But season eight was very surreal, though. Yeah, like season nine, especially like the chase sequence where Jerry chases Newman. Yeah, you know, that's very season eight. Yeah, but I mean, even in some of the more surreal episodes, the way it all comes together at the end can be really well done. But it just seemed it's like they were like, oh shit, we've only got three minutes of screen time. So left. it like teeth it off. I guess it kind of like yeah didn't I it know, kind it of just, just didn't, it didn't it didn't quite gel at the end yeah I don't know yeah. why just all of them ending up wanting vasectomies was just I just didn't buy it for some reason yeah um but I did like uh the you know the A and B plots and obviously George's plots I thought all the individual storylines were strong on their own but coming together at the end yeah at the doctor's office I just didn't I don't know it just didn't work for me because that's usually the structure there's all these different plots and they come together at the end yeah usually yeah yeah I don't know it's just like it wasn't paced very well okay you know it just sort of just they just smashed it all together at the end and I just didn't buy it yeah yeah so but it was number 31 for you yeah number 31 yeah I mean for me it's yeah I, I kind of agree I think it was a bit patchy in some of the episode as well um and even though like I mentioned in the car on the way on the way over to record I think with George you know it was kind of like another side to him that we probably have seen wisps of but i think it kind of really i guess using your words dovetailed into this yeah he's really paranoid yep and you know elaine even points out to him saying why don't you just confront them about it and just talk to them mm. and, and ask them what they said yeah yeah like a normal person would say yeah sure but, but that would like, be that would be something an emotionally stable and healthy person does not exactly not not not, not, not not a neurotic like george yeah yeah no i i kind of i have to agree with you there i think at the end yeah it was just a bit a bit strange mm. you know and it kind of i think it lost a bit of direction especially when it, the scene with jerry newman yep it was like you know they jerry finally catches up with newman and then they're like, come on. Like yep. they, they go on, like they head off together and it's like, why? Yeah. You know, like, where's this leading? Yeah, I think if you they know? cut, like, you know, the idea of Jerry confronting Newman to me makes sense in terms of the plot line. But if they got rid of that, like that dumb Benny Hill feeling chase scene, you know, obviously that was just Jerry indulging. Like he just wanted to do something like that because he could. Yeah, yeah. Because he was the main, sh- he was the only showrunner at this point. And Seinfeld was a juggernaut on yeah, TV. Yeah, so he could do point. anything. So he could do anything he wanted. Yeah, yeah. but... In, in terms of like quality writing, if they took that 30 seconds to 60 seconds out and fleshed out the ending a bit more, I think it would have been a stronger episode overall. Yeah, you fair know. enough. But, you know, it's his show. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah, it's an okay episode. Yeah. It's not bad. Yep. Yeah. What are your top 10 episodes? Oh, top 10. Okay, yeah. Uh, I, I did them last week, actually. Okay. I'm not going to mention them. Righto. Yeah. I won't either, but they will be in the show notes if you are curious. Yeah. Or if you want to listen to last week's episode. For sure. And, well, sorry, before before we get to our characters, uh, yep. The Soulmate sits in between uh, The Muffin Tops, which mm-hmm. is number 30 for me, okay. and The Kiss Hello, number 32. All right. The Muffin yep. Tops is number 30 for me as well. There you go. <laughs> We're obviously uh, in agreement for the you know the, thir- the early 30s. The Kiss Hello, I think, is a bit far down your list, isn't it? Uh, where does The Kiss Hello sit? It sits at number... Going through my list now. Hmm. 
Oh, it's all right. Yeah. But my least favourite episode so far is... Oh, 35. 35. So, still close. Still close. My least favourite episode at the moment is The Stakeout from Season 1. Yep. And my favourite is The Contest. Okay. Yeah. My least favourite is The Strong Box. And my favourite is The Jacket. Nice. Yep. Alton Venice. Of course. Yeah, of course. All right. Our top 20 secondary characters. Do any of the secondaries today jump into your top 20? No. No, they don't? Nope. What about you? Kevin comes back into my top 20. Okay. He was in there during the Bizarro Jerry and he got knocked off. He's come back in at number 17. So oh, he's wow. in between Bob and Cedric, who's at number 16. And at number 18 is Wendy's receptionist from The Kiss Hello. Okay. So Joel Hornick from Mail on Bonding is out of my top 20. Okay. Hmm. Right, he's eliminated. Okay, mm. and uh, again, I won't go through my top ten characters. We did go through them last week, and they will yep. be in our show notes as well. Indeed, yep, for sure. Uh, have you got any Seinfeldisms this week? No, none for me. How about yourself? Yeah, I've got four. Oh wow! So <laughs> what a week! What a week! Go for it. Yeah, I had a few days off work this week, and I was just joking to Ivan off air that uh, I took the days off just to walk around and try and find Seinfeldisms. Yeah, of course you did. Yep, I didn't go to work today, and I had zero. But then by the end of the day, I had four. It's just... the summer of Stephen. Yep, the winter of Stephen. <laughs> I just went around quoting Seinfeld to strangers until they got it. No, you actually took days off so you can build dioramas yeah. <laughs> and you were the Red Ranger. <laughs> that, that's what you did. I was, I should have, you yeah. have all these dioramas here in this yeah. video. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I do. Uh, so the first Seinfeldism, uh, I've mentioned it a few times uh, throughout our recording of this podcast for the last year and a half that I am slowly getting through the Simpsons episode by episode chronologically. And uh, at the moment, I'm at the start of season 26. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so you're so catching up. Almost at the end. Yeah, the, cool. the light is vaguely, you know, off in the distance. What is it, 29 seasons? Yeah, so the season 30 commences in September. Okay. Yep. So if I go along at this pace, I've calculated roughly, I think I've got about 60-odd episodes to go. Yep. And if I do one most days, which I do, um, usually in the morning before work as part of like my morning routine, <laughs> that I'll probably finish up around when season 30 starts and then I'll just do them week by week nice. as they air and uh, hopefully you should do I'll another podcast nah, you should do like Simpsons as, as it comes on there's already there's so many podcasts about the Simpsons yeah I know yeah. good ones yeah Yeah. <laughs> uh, so like I said I have been doing that and uh, last week I watched an episode it's a it was actually the season 26 premiere it's called Clown in the Dumps and uh, in the episode Krusty is just a bit down in the dumps um, and hence he's trying the name. To, hence the name. He was trying to find meaning in his life, mm. um, and he goes through some chronological chronological footage to to um, to sort of review his career and find out where he went wrong or what he can be inspired by from his own past. Uh, and in the '90s clip, when he's going through his career, he is basically a stand-up comic ripping off you know that '80s and '90s cliche of stand-up comics, like in front of an mm-hmm. exposed brick wall. And they're being a bit cynical. Yeah. Kind of like who Krusty was when he became a stand-up comic in that episode where Kenny Nero sponsor him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and in his, like, 90s bit, he mentions Newman from Seinfeld just to <laughs> relate it to that time nice. in his career. Uh, the second one, again, it just came up in, a, in something I was watching. So uh, it, on the weekend, I felt uh, in the mood to watch some, like, really shit romantic comedies just so I didn't have to think. Um, and I was watching one from 2011 called Friends with Benefits. Oh, it's got yeah. Justin Timberlake, Mila Kunis. Yep. Yeah. Dumb. Dumb. Yeah. Dumb romantic comedy. Yeah. Like they, you know, they are friends and then they have sex with each other and then they end up falling in love and then there's tension and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And there's the whole romantic bullshit at the end and just garbage film, like irredeemable, really. Yeah. Uh, but in the episode, uh, Timberlake's character, I can't remember his name, but he's based in LA and he's headhunted by Mila Kunis's character in NYC in New York. And she flies him over there and tries to sell him on the city. And he's not really buying it. And she's like, no, no, but I can show you the real New York, like to try and convince him to move there for this job. Yeah. And he goes, no, no, you don't need to show me New York because I've seen Seinfeld. So he mentioned <laughs> Seinfeld in the movie. Okay, cool. And then, you know, there's like a, a scene where she like takes him through the city and shows him a bunch of like cool non-touristy stuff to convince him to move there. But he knows they're all exterior shots, yeah. right? Yeah. And then, <laughs> so he hasn't seen New York. Yeah. But he's from LA. So his, his, his impression of New York is based on Seinfeld. Yeah. Yeah. But after she like does that and, and shows him like the quote unquote real New York, you know, like the non-touristy New York, he actually mentions and it's such bad writing. He's just like, oh, that's not like what it is on Seinfeld at all. It's just like, ugh, uh, such dumb writing. I'm yep. surprised Jerry didn't ask for royalty. He <laughs> yeah. mentioned my show. Yeah. 100 grand, please. <laughs> uh, so this is probably my favorite Seinfeldism for the week. So friend of the pod and occasional guest, I think she's been on three times, Stacey. Ah, Stacey, yeah. She's currently traveling. Mm. And uh, she's at the moment, I think, well, she was as of yesterday. She might have moved on, but she was uh, in Denmark. And she sent me a photo, and I uh, will put this on Instagram as well, uh, of a bag of pretzels. 
there's a shop over in in Denmark um, called Tiger, and it's like a cheap two dollar chain yep. store. Yep. Kind of like our crazy Clarks or silly Sollies or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reject shop. Reject shop. Crap. Yep. yep. Uh, and uh, it was a big like one kilo. Uh, bag of pretzels and they're actually called these pretzels are making me thirsty so ah, it's cool. it's technically cool. Stacy Seinfeldism but mm-hmm. being the fact that I'm here recording talking uh, I'll take credit for it indirectly so it, it's, it's a dual Seinfeldism well if fans like Stacy um, you know fans like you who are like Stacy I guess have a Seinfeldism let us know yeah send us an email drop us a message and we'd love to feature it indeed yeah cool and the fourth bit of Seinfeld and I did make mention of this earlier in the recording uh, the fourth Seinfeldism uh, over the weekend I was with a friend and we were talking about 90s sketch comedy in Australia we were talking about Full Frontal and Fast Forward and uh, we went on YouTube and we went on a bit of a, a bit of a rabbit hole uh-huh. YouTube watch <laughs> nice uh, and we were just watching random things like Poiter and you know ah, Eric yeah, Banner's yeah, early yeah, days yeah, and Eric stuff Banner, like that yeah, yeah, yeah. yep and uh, Totally Full Frontal which was the third incarnation of that yeah, show yeah from like the late 90s yeah into late 90s yep, yeah yep not very good no. um, but in it and I don't remember it because I watched that show religiously when it was on in the, yeah. in the late and I used to tape it and rewatch it all the time uh, same with Seinfeld and Simpsons mm-hmm. I used to totally full frontal and full frontal I used to watch religiously yeah. so I'm surprised that I don't remember this but they actually did a piss take of Seinfeld ah oh, they did yeah. oh, i got to find the clip on YouTube yeah so I'll put a link to that in our show notes oh, as well yeah I'd love to watch it yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's I'll got the it. I can't remember the actor's name but he's, he was he was in fast forward full frontal and totally full frontal he's like a chubbier guy he's bald he's got quite a raspy voice you would know him if oh, you saw him. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He was. He's got that distinguished face, doesn't he? Yeah, he's got like a round face. So yeah, he plays yeah, George. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, who's the actress that does um, music rock whiz? Oh, Julia Zemiro. Yeah, so she was in totally full. She was in Full Frontal and then totally full oh, yeah, frontal. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. plays Elaine. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And nice. for anyone listening who doesn't know who we're talking about, these are all like famous comedians and sketch comedians in Australia. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. started out in the eighties and and became famous in the nineties. And most and the of them are doing well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and again, I can't remember the actor's name. Okay, yeah. I'm, but you would know him. I'll know the face. The, the guy oh, who yeah. plays Jerry. Yeah, okay. Yep. Um, and oh, it's cool. actually pretty good. I'll like have it's. To check it out. It's, it's been dated. Like the comedy's pretty dated. It's dated, yeah. and they're just all they're doing is making fun of the the Seinfeld cliches of like them just over talking about this you know minute bullshit that no yeah, one cares yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and they're just playing up like Jerry's like really whining he's like what's the deal with yeah, 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 yeah yeah so it's it's not that good but it's 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 a fun nostalgic watch it's a relic to a bygone era that's right <laughs> a relic of a bygone era that's right <laughs> yeah so I'll put the link in the show notes oh, as well I'd as all the Seinfeld it. news yeah it's pretty good it. so that was a nice little happy accident ah oh, good one yeah so four Seinfeldisms for the week ah oh, very good Steve indeed bit uh, of Seinfeld trivia before we wrap up yep uh, so today is Tuesday. July 17 and reading my Seinfeld desktop calendar today's trivia is in the post Seinfeld years the Seinfeld writers found themselves trying to explain jokes during their pitches to networks to no avail and rebutting objections to the exact sorts of stories and characters everyone loved on Seinfeld well what about likability the executives would say something with more emotion no the writers countered we're going to love the person for being neurotic but we'd really like this person to say i love you at the end of the scene the networks would suggest hugging and learning were back okay Mm. yeah there was kind of a resurgence of like the early 90s sitcoms after seinfeld I think it was a bit of a, uh, a knee-jerk reaction to the success of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And there was all this lovey-dovey, yeah, stuff, yeah, yep. emotion. Indeed, it was yep. like the it was like the time between the end of Seinfeld and the start of The Office, mm-hmm. which yep. sort of revolutionised sitcoms again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, um, like the three-camera sitcoms were truly dead mm-hmm. when um, you know because like Frasier wrapped up in early two thousands, Friends did, yeah, yeah, and they were kind of like the last ones. They were the last of the of the good yeah. sitcoms, and then yeah. it never really recovered well i mean there is the dumb ones like king of queens and two broke girls two broke girls yeah. oh two broke girls is right oh i don't like it <laughs> okay oh, hang on. theory that's dumb yeah that's dumb yeah. what's what's two broke girls about uh, so is two. that cat dennings yeah and she works at a diner yeah yeah she's yeah. like really cynical I don't like that show. okay i haven't seen much of it so yeah, i don't want to comment but fair enough yep anyway yep and cool. that's it for another week of but i don't want to be a secondary character a yep. seinfeld podcast about the secondary characters of the show if you want to get in touch with us you can we have an email address Bidwabask podcast at gmail.com and we are on social media at Bidwabask B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C and we have a website Bidwabask.com and we are now on Patreon we are now we are we are now I should try I should say we are now non-nate-nyo. we are now non-nate-nyo. we're now on Patreon patreon.com forward slash Bidwabask my name's Ivan I'm Stephen next week it is a what's the deal with episode and we're talking about our pint-sized hero Mickey Abbott Mickey Abbott yeah I think he's due for an episode so yeah I thought, love why not? Mickey Abbott yeah Mickey's good he's one of the most like under-remembered all 
like not many people talk about him when I they mean, talk about Seinfeld. Very underrated secondary. He's great. Yeah, I like him. He's awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. It'd be good to have a chat with him. Or yep. chat, not with him. Too. A chat about him. Yeah. yeah. And we'll talk about the actor as well who portrays him and uh, some of his best moments in the show. That's right. Yeah. Until yeah. next week. Catch you all then. Bye. Yeah.